Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, we used to live up in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, moved till I was seven, so um, pretty much since I could, I could walk for those few years, I was going to Patriots training camp every year, watching those Patriots teams, watching Coach Vrabel and them practice, and uh, had a like, little sign football for them, actually, so I told him that story. It's kind of funny. He mentioned, you know, as a boy, you signed a, 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 an autographed football for him. Uh, what did you think? Wasn't that nice of me? Must have caught me on a good day, Will. That's what I told him. We lost that ball in a house fire. You uh, give him a replacement? That's actually a good cost. Now, price has gone up since since then. Titans coach Mike Vrabel, the absolute best. Meanwhile, Will Levis, we have a new entry in the sleeveless quarterback. Sun's out, guns out. Yeah. Might as well show those He's standing at the podium. He was standing at the podium like he was at a preacher curl bench. You know the old preacher oh, curl yeah, bench right. where like you that. put your arms straight yeah, down? Sure, yeah, sure. that's kind of how he was. He's getting ready to do some preacher curl. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he's, he wants to show what he's got there. He didn't do all that work for nothing, so he might as well show you some of the tricep and the bicep and all that. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see, you know, too, as we go, how jacked he stays, right? If he starts to realize, hey, guys like Ryan Tannehill and stuff, they're not doing, you know, 90-pound curls, you know, after practice or tricep pushdowns, maybe every once in a while. But I wonder if he'll adjust his body a little bit more to the NFL and, and how a lot of quarterbacks think. That tricep there is popping out like the old cartoon lump on the head. When somebody would get hit on the head and a lump would pop out, that's what the tricep on the left arm particularly looks like. It looks like he had an encounter with Bugs Bunny and was asked whether he wants one lump or two in his coffee. All right. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. so wait, what about, what about Vrabel? What about our guy Vrabel? Like, is he not getting like a little, I, you know, I don't even know, he, it's Belichick, it's Parcells, it's like both in one when I watch him a little right now. You know, they're asking him questions, his head's down, he's writing something, he's not really paying attention, but then he has like a, a quick wittiness charisma that still says like, don't mess with me or I will F you up like a Bill Parcells. I, I don't know. I just find his way uh, different than a lot of guys in the NFL. And I, I, I like you, I think I, I enjoy it maybe more than I should. I got a humorous text message from him over the weekend <laughs> and I'm not sure that I should repeat it. <laughs> he's just, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he is. He's one of a kind. And, uh, he's good for the sport, and he's not over the line. Right. He's not in your face. Right. He's not rude. He's just intentionally raw. Right. And deliberately unpolished, and he's impatient, and it's a funny kind of engaging, kind of a charming impatient, and it's great, and I'd want to play for him. That clip we played last week of the sleds and somebody yeah. shouts out, 
Says who? Yeah. Says me. Who says so? I effing <laughs> say so. I mean, it's great. Or says effing me. I yeah. mean, it was just great. It's right. great. So hard knocks for the Tennessee Titans. I wonder if they fall in that category. I think if you've been in the playoffs each of the last or one of the last two years, you're exempt. They, they can only require like four teams this year, and the Jets are one of them. The Jets are very nervous. They're going to get the tap to be the hard knocks team. And it went very well when it was the Jets 13 years ago. And Rex Ryan won a bunch of people at NFL Films and HBO a bunch of Emmys. But Vrabel would be awesome in something like that, whether it's hard knocks or the in-season hard knocks that they now do. He would be great. I'm sure he wants nothing to do with it because he learned from Belichick, but he would be great. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, a great because he's, you know, it'd be Dan Campbell-ish a little bit. You know, like you said, the raw, the toughness, the in-your-face. And then I also feel like he would be, like, also thoroughly, like, surly and annoyed with the cameras being around all the time to where you might get a few little interactions like that where he's like, can you get the F out of my face here so I can do some work? Uh, I would like to see that, certainly. Yeah, he's one of my favorite coaches of football. He's old school. You know, I think that's, you know, he, he's he's got a nice blend of old school with just the right touch of new schoolness to relate to the guys and be be you know cool with them. But I think he's more along the lines of a coach that you and I grew up you know with seventies and eighties type of style of football coach, and I kind of find that refreshing you know in twenty twenty three. The Titans are not one of the four teams that could be told you're doing hard knocks this year. Jets, Bears, Saints, and Commanders. Are the four teams eligible? El- eligible? eligible? Are they eligible? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that, that takes a lot of. That takes a lot. I of know. Nerve well, hey, when you, but, you but when you butcher it like me, I gotta have a little fun. When you butcher eligible it a to be, I was trying to say eligible to be drafted to be the Hard Knocks team. The factors are: can't be a first-year head coach. Didn't make the playoffs the last two seasons. Haven't appeared on Hard Knocks in the last 10 years. So Jets, Bears, Saints, and Commanders. Remember the Saints and the Commanders because they factor into something we're going to be discussing later or earlier, as the case may be, later in the program. Earlier, I guess, if you're listening to the podcast out of order. But Saints and Commanders, I wonder if one of the... One of the deals they got to change their position on a key vote was you won't be forced to do hard knocks this year. And I I suspect everything at this point. Again, it goes to the Thursday night flexing, and we'll talk about that coming up. Did you watch the Lakers last night bow out of the I, I did. I, I, I turned it off with about, I'm going to say there was like seven minutes left in the game, right? I was a little tired, and I was like, That's well, the best part. I know, I know. I don't. I just. I wasn't. I was. That's dead. when I turned it on. I was dead last night. I was, and I kind of. And I. I don't know. I've been watching the series. The Nuggets had just taken control. They had this unbelievable third quarter where they came back, and I was like, "Oh, they're going to win this. They're, they. They got this going." And I know the Lakers made it interesting, but I missed the end. So you saw the end. I'm proud of you, man. Look at you. Well, my dad told me. Don't watch anything more than the last four minutes of a basketball game. Now, if I would have watched the first half, I would have seen LeBron James have a personal best yeah. 31 Special. points yeah. in the first half when it felt like the Lakers were going to dig their way out or at least commence the process of digging their way out of a 3-0 deficit. I still don't think anyone in basketball has come back from 3-0. I could be wrong. I remember for a long time the only 3-0 deficit that was ever reversed was the New York Islanders against the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1975, I believe. Then came the Red Sox and the Yankees Boo! in 2004, Boo! Boo! I believe. What? Huh? Right? I didn't hear you, huh? I didn't hear that. What did you say? <laughs> that had to have been hell for you. Oh. Hell. I thought about that. It was. It was hell for me. And I was like such an in-your-face, like, obnoxious Yankee fan at the time, too, and young. and shock. Oh, I know. I was, at the time. At the time. I was worse then because I was young and 23 oh. and 24. So, you know, I really, like, let everybody have it. Yeah, that was that was, that was a tough one right there. That really was. Um, but good for the Red Sox. Yeah. But that, that hurt. That really did. I could still remember being on the sideline for a game and, like, asking the trainer, like, hey, what's the score of the Yankees-Red Sox game? We were on Monday night. I had been hurt, but I was wondering, you know, what was going on in that game as the Red Sox were making a comeback. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, my point with the Lakers was, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sorry to bring back those bad memories, 
you know, when you know you've still got to go back there right. to win right. another one, yeah. and then you got to come home and win another one, and it's hard, and they've already beat you three times, there's a point where your will just gets snapped. And LeBron James had a chance down two, driving to the bucket. He had his shot blocked, and that was it. And he said afterward he has to think about whether or not he's going to keep playing. He's 38 years old. I, I know. can't imagine the NBA without him. He's been around forever. Forever. I mean, I, I can't imagine either. And, and, you know, it's rare, right? We don't see uh, – this is not football. 38's real old in basketball. That jumping and running on that court when you're 6'8 and 6'9 and you got long legs and, you know, ankles and knees and joints that are constantly taking that pounding on that hardwood, that's hard. But, damn, he's still really good, you know. I mean, he's not LeBron of eight or ten years ago. He's not the best player in the NBA now. We know who he is right now. We saw the guy last night. He beat the Lakers. But, uh, damn, I know. I'd have a hard time thinking he'd retire, too, with, with as well as he's still playing. And all the talk about, you know, he wants to maybe someday play with his son, Bronny, who's going to USC. I, th- I thought he might try to hang in there for a few more years. And maybe he will. It's just got to be difficult yeah. right in the aftermath right. of having your season end, a season where you thought there was real promise. You knock out Steph Curry and the Warriors. There's a lot of hype. There's yeah, a lot of that's belief. Right. I don't know who was favored to win that series. I know the Celtics were huge favorites, according to the ESPN analytics model. Yet again, another reason why ESPN may want to go back and reconfigure their factors. They had the Heat as a 3% probability of winning the series. They're now up 3-0. And the Celtics could be the first team in the NBA to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit, just like the Red Sox. Let's hope not. 2004, 19 years later, they have their chance. Go Celtics. Let's go. (laughs) You know what? Larry Bird ain't walking through that door. So, uh, sorry, Celtics. 149-0 all time. NBA teams that have been up 3-0 in a series are 149-0 all time. Pretty amazing. recent last night, the Nuggets getting it done without even – losing a game i really wanted lakers celtics in the finals but that's kind of selfish of me considering i watched none of it and i probably would have watched none of lakers celtics i just would have been aware it was happening and it would have reminded me of the 80s yeah, when it right. was larry bird and robert Parrish and magic johnson and james worthy and kareem abdul jabbar and michael cooper who had a baseline shot that that had frost on it when it came down. He shot it so high. So <laughs> yeah, he did. That's that was right. back in the day when I actually watched watched basketball. Yeah, I, I watched it back. Yeah, those are more the, than four minutes of a game. Well, those are the start of the glory days, right there. I mean, Magic, you know, Michael, Larry, Isaiah Thomas, that crew right there. That was pretty damn special basketball there. Clyde the God Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon. Man, we had some stars. But, you know, I, hopefully everybody will see this Nikola Jokic. I can never say his name when I have to say it out loud. Isn't it weird? It's one of those things. He's one of the most famous people in the world. But when I have to say the word, I can't say it all the time. I don't know what it is with Nikola Jokic. Jokic. <laughs> can't say it. You know, I thought uh, I knew how to say it based upon watching the end last night. The first name is the one that I hear differently. Nikola. Is it Nikola Jokic? Is that what it is? Nikola, yeah. Nikola. It's Nikola. Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic? (laughs) Jokic. Nikola Jokic. There you go. But he's damn good, and he's the new best player in the NBA. Nikola Jokic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we got to. And he's huge. Huge. He he made a three-pointer last night. There were two weird three-pointers last night. LeBron James was throwing a pass. I saw that. It just went in. It went in. That was amazing. And. And then near the end, Jokic, it wasn't a three-pointer because his foot was on the line, but the shot clock was running down, and he just kind of threw up this awkward-looking back way behind his head thing that went in, and it was just amazing. And it was just, when that went in, it's like, uh, they're hey, going to win. Over. Yeah, right. Yeah. Something like that's going in this late in the game. It's over. It's done. And in honor of Nikola Jokic, later in the program, we're going to have a draft of the NFL players most in need of reaching their first Super Bowl because for Nikola Jokic, it's his first NBA Finals, the first time the Nuggets ever have made it 
to the NBA Finals. I would have sworn that back in the 70s, yeah. they made it at some point. I remember they were good one year. They had those blue jerseys, and they had lines across it, and they had the Nuggets. And Would that have been Alex and, English and he, those days, kind of, right? Was that what, Alex English. Right. Was that it, Alex English? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they were, they were flirting with it there, but they never got there. You know, and then they've been in the playoffs a bunch. They had Carmelo Anthony where they were kind of good there for a little while, but never a real championship contender. So cool to see for them. And then it's, uh, let's by see. the way, by the way, Stan Kroenke. That's owns what I, was the Nuggets, I was just about I, to go there. I was just about to say oh. the same thing. I was going to go and, you know, they're owned by Kroenke. So there it's, it's a good year for them, you know, to, for them to follow up their NFL championship from two years ago. Now they got a chance to win an NBA championship. And if the Nuggets win the NBA championship in celebration of it, the Rams will give out a bunch of bad contracts to veteran players, I predict. Um, <laughs> you're a jerk. Kidding. All right. Let's uh, – well, you're just figuring that out now. It's been six years. Come on. Keep up. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Yesterday, 20 teams started their OTAs. That's phase three of the offseason program, organized team activity, fancy word for practice. We're talking about practice. Ten more teams today. Eagles next week, the Bengals the week after that. Aaron Rodgers, got to give him credit. Yeah, baby, that's no, right. Don't give, don't give him to Florio, baby. Way to go, Aaron Rodgers. Shove it in Florio's face. Yes. <laughs> but I, I said he should be there. How's he shove it into my face? I don't know. There? I just wanted to make sure he, you knew he was there. I don't know. I know because we were worried if he wasn't, and we were talking all about that, and I'm just having fun. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I would say he should be there, and he is there. He's got the hoodie under the jersey like James Jones used to do. Remember latter years of oh, James yeah. Jones' career? Sure. He'd wear the hoodie under the jersey no matter the conditions. Even if they were in a dome, he'd wear the hoodie under the jersey. It became kind of his thing. We've seen Rodgers with that look so far. Hey, he's moving well. He's throwing the ball. They're going to have media present today. Now, we don't know how many of the OTA sessions he's going to be at right. because, remember, when he showed up, his introductory press conference, he created this sense of, oh, I'm very anxious. When's practice? When is it tomorrow? Then I'll be there tomorrow. But then I was like, well, I'm not going to be at all of them. Well, he's there today. It would be wise if he's there for all of them. We've established this. It's proven. There are people out there that want to push back against it. I ignore you. You can keep pushing. I ignore you. It's critical for him to be there because, Chris, it's critical that those starstruck teammates, and it's clear that they're starstruck, by Aaron Rodgers. The only way to get past that is to be around the guy long enough that you have this realization he's just like the rest of us. That's right. But it requires time and presence, and that's the key. He needs to be there so the rest of them aren't freaked out when it's time to get to training camp. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, freaked out, get everybody on the same page, be comfortable, know the human being. Know the nuances. Ooh, you know, we're getting so comfortable. He can kind of like on the down low, give me a sign or a signal over here to change my route. You know, those are the things. Oh, he gave me a little look. He said something. You know, those are the things you want to work on during this time of the year, let alone like you talked about all the camaraderie, everything there. And then, of course, how good the AFC is, like we hit on almost every day right now. There's no time to waste here. And the biggest thing, too, you know, new team, you know, new franchise, a new offer, you know, somewhat of a new offense, all the players around you. You know, the, the biggest thing is just I, I, this, this is what you do to be successful. You know, in a sport where we look at analytics or things that have worked to make sure you get to a championship game or get to the Super Bowl to be your best, I don't know. I, I can't think of a lot of quarterbacks who had MVP seasons or won the Super Bowl and weren't around for OTAs. I, I can't off the top of my head. You know, and again, I get into Brady or Burrow or Mahomes or Josh Allen the last few years or Peyton Manning. I just, I never heard of not going to the OTA part. Sure, you missed some workouts, phase one and phase two workouts, big deal, okay. But the OTA part, I don't get that, and that's where, you know, I'm with you all the way. We'll continue to bang that drum. I think maybe in the latter years of Tom Brady's time with the Patriots, when he was engaged in this delicate negotiation of his his home life and his work life, he was staying away for some of the offseason programs, some of the OTAs, and they still made it to the Super Bowl in his 2017 season. 2018, they won it. 2019 was his last year there. Yeah, so, so I you feel think like he missed a few OTAs there? 2018. Okay. okay. I think he missed some. All right. I think he did. 
Okay, yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. I know he went through a phase there like in 08, 09, 10 a little bit where – you know, he was there was a house being built in California, right? The one he eventually sold to Dr. Dre, I believe. And there was a lot of with a moat. Exactly, with Had a, a moat, moat around. Exactly, right. That's when you know you're rich. You got a moat around the house. We bought a mansion and we built a moat around it, so you can't get there. You got to take a boat, or we got to lower the bridge. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I remember going on then. But then I, I, I wasn't sure if he missed them, you know, later on in the in the career. Even if if he did that again, this is not a new place that he was at in New England. It was something comfortable, and so it's different than the situation with Rogers. But man, I I, I, I want to go double check that. I don't, I feel like I don't even remember that late in the career him missing OTAs either. And more importantly, everybody was comfortable with him. Yes, that was the key. Exactly. This is new. This is new in both directions. It helps have Alan Lazard there and Randall Cobb, but you got Garrett Wilson, you got Miko Hardman, you got guys who don't know Aaron Rodgers and need to be comfortable with him. CJ Uzama, who caught a touchdown pass during OTAs yesterday, the running backs, the offensive linemen. You've got guys who need to get comfortable with him. Guys on defense, just guys, it disrupts the whole vibe. This guy is in the locker room that everybody is on pins and needles, and it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's part of our team now. Guys need to process that. They need to get past it. This is where intelligence and emotional intelligence have that divide. Aaron Rodgers, very smart. If he's emotionally intelligent, he'll understand the only way that those guys get to the point where it's no big deal to have Aaron Rodgers around is to be around. There's just a moment where they will just kind of settle down. They'll just calm down. This is human factors. This is just the reality of these guys being pressed together. And this is one of the biggest stars in the NFL. This is a guy who was winning a Super Bowl when most of these kids were kids in grade school. It was 13 years ago when Aaron Rodgers won his only Super Bowl. That's the kind of thing that some of these guys have a hard time processing. They grew up yeah. with Aaron Rodgers being the platinum standard of quarterback in the NFL, or at least in that conversation yeah it's gonna freak him out it would freak anybody out that's right he's he's football god i mean gosh i mean you know i've been around a lot of football gods you get around a guy even like aaron Rodgers myself and i'm like oh let me stand up straight and i'm a little nervous here it's, i mean he's 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 one of the greats of the all-time greats you know if it were up for me i he'd have made the top 100 you know players of all time in my opinion i don't put put him in there in front of brett Favre. you know i mean that's that's what we're talking about you know, and, and it's like, like you said, it's, yeah, okay, he doesn't have the accomplishments Brady has. We know that, and Brady's the GOAT there. But I think a lot of players grew up, and I listen, I asked Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Their favorite quarterback growing up was Aaron Rodgers, you know, because it, you, it was an awe of like, oh, my gosh, you know, okay, maybe they don't win the Super Bowl. We get that, but oh, my gosh, whoa. Like, what am I watching? What is that throw? What is that scramble? Holy cow, I've never seen people do those type of things. And so he's, yeah, he's a, a mythical creature almost in the football lures or, or in, the, in the eyes of football players that way. And I think you're right there. It's all of it. It's the whole organization. It's players. It's coaches. It's everybody, you know, not tiptoeing around the guy anymore and getting comfortable and just feeling like, hey, he's one of the guys like you're saying. Well, he's there for now. We'll see how long he stays. He did say within the past few weeks he will be missing some of the sessions but at least he's there. Past few years in Green Bay, he wasn't there. I think that had something to do with frustration with the front office. But last year, and, and people will say, nothing that happens in May means anything come September. And to that I say, bull crap. Because your competitors are there. They're working with their guys. They're getting comfortable. They're laying the pre-foundation of the foundation that gets laid in training camp. So the more work you do now, the better off you are to have effective work in July and August, and the better off you are to hit the ground running in September, and you don't have all these struggles. You don't have Christian Watson drop a ball when he's wide-ass open for the first snap because he's just a little freaked out still by Aaron Rodgers, and he doesn't want to disappoint him and have to answer to him if he screws up in his first big opportunity in the NFL. No, if he catches that yeah. pass against the Vikings, yeah. I think their whole season goes different. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It gives a different vibe for sure. They might win that game, and then they get, you know, overcome some of the obstacles earlier on in the season, get some guys some confidence. But, hey, Mike, I'm with you. I'll never uh, not defend you on that subject. I've been a part of too many teams where, oh, wait, we didn't do good the year before, so – OTAs were intense. 
And it was like we pushed the envelope, and we pushed the envelope mentally and physically. And to your point, guess what happened? We got in training camp, and it was like, hey, remember the, the audibles we had in June, and we did all that? And when we, it was right away. It was like instead of waiting to the ninth or 10th day of practice in training camp to get to that stuff, we were like, oh, no, no, it's, it's day two. We, we got the kinks out. Let's start going to that part of the playbook. We got it. So there, that's very real. For, for people not to say that, again, I know it's not foolproof. Can some people get away with it here and there? Sure. But in my experience, and again, I think what we talked about, the best teams, the best quarterbacks, you, know, they put your, you put your best foot forward this time of the year because it does make things that much easier. I was a part of other teams, like a, let's just say the Super Bowl team my rookie year, right? They just won the Super Bowl. Things were a little relaxed that offseason, you know, and I had some other years like that, too, where I could tell you then we got into training camp, but it was kind of like, hey, let's just slowly kind of get going. And then, you know, it showed in the season. We kind of slowly got going during the season and we slowly weren't worth a damn during that season. So that's where there, there is some real tangible evidence, uh, at least in my opinion, as far as what you're saying. Around any corner, within every battle and with the dawn of each new day. The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That leads us to our next topic. We discussed this yesterday, and there's going to be people out there pushing back. Ravens fans, misguided Ravens fans. Hey, Ravens fans, I'm talking to you here. Give me a moment, Chris. I just want to have a conversation with our friends out there who root for the Baltimore Ravens. You want your team to be successful, I would assume. You want it to win as many games as it can. You want it to fulfill the potential that it has. You would like another Super Bowl championship. You've got two. It's been a while since the last one. Well, well, one way to get there is to make sure that your guys are fully prepared for the season to come. And it's not going to be an easy season. There's a lot of great teams in the AFC. Several great teams in the AFC North got to be ready to compete. And all those other quarterbacks are there. Even Aaron Rodgers is there. Lamar Jackson is not there. And what's going to happen, and now I'm pivoting back to talking to you, Chris, Hmm. the blind circling of the wagons. How dare you call out our guy? How dare you call out our guy for not being here for the first day of OTAs? How dare you attack him for doing something that, that will make it harder for the team to win games see that's when they break their own brains when they realize their defensive Lamar Jackson for not being present for the start of OTAs has a dotted line back to their team not being as good as it can be and that's why we say what we say if you're going to pay somebody 50 million plus I don't know where the line is Chris between paying a guy not enough for him to volunteer to be there at optional offseason workouts and paying him enough that he should be I'll say $50 million is on the you-should-be-there side of the line. Yeah. $52 million per year is on the you-should-be-there side of the line. Wanting to be great, wanting to win championships, wanting to fulfill your potential and promise as a player in a team with a new offense, a new offense, an offense that's going to unlock the passing game, a new offense that features multiple new receivers, a new offense that will be better implemented for week one. If you're there. So I don't get it. They reportedly expect him to be there later this week. Why isn't he there day one? He got his contract. He won. He got $52 million a year. 
His only focus at this point should be being at practice, learning the offense, getting comfortable with new teammates, having them get comfortable with him, and laying the pre-foundation of the foundation they're going to lay during training camp, Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the same conversation we're having here. Again, it, it's the first day of OTAs. Is it like, oh my gosh, a necessity in the team and everything's going to go downhill that Lamar Jackson's not there? No, I get it. But, you know, I also just go, but... Why not be there? Why give people like myself and Mike Florio and Stephen A. Smith the chance to even talk about this and go, why aren't you there after, you know, winning and getting a $50 million contract? That's that's what I don't get. And then, you know, yeah, of course, you know, the way the season ended on injury, you know, or, or injured. So, like, I just thought, yeah, he'd be there chomping at the bit, excited. Now, listen, maybe he had something personal and stuff like that happens, too. Sometimes you got things scheduled, right? And and they don't tell you the OTA schedule maybe until a few weeks ago. And sometimes that stuff happens. I don't know. But, yes, I mean, again, it's the same thing. The formula's pretty proven. The guys that are there, the quarterbacks that are there, they usually do the best. And, you know, hopefully Lamar's there for the rest of these. I'd like to see that for all the reasons you said. It's Odell. It's rookie receiver. It's basically a rookie receiver. And Rashad Bateman, who's been hurt a lot over the last few years. It's the new OC. It's all of that. And they're close, like you said. I mean, they're close. We're talking about a team that I think we look at and go, okay, yeah, it's not the Bengals or the Chiefs, but if you start to name the next teams that could go to the Super Bowl the Ravens are that team and you know why not get that work I'm just I don't I don't understand why give us the chance to talk about it and make it a thing here that that's the thing that probably I I wonder more than anything well and then look I this is not Anything we ever say about Lamar is not anti-Lamar. No, to, it's actually pro-Lamar. Not in a passive-aggressive way either. This isn't like, oh, we're just trying to help you and we're really trying to be jerks about it. These are comments and opinions that we have that are aimed at helping him get the most out of his God-given abilities. He's won an MVP. He clearly wants to win a championship. Patrick Mahomes will be there for every OTA. It's not even a conversation. The question with Mahomes is, how many days of his downtime is he going to spend throwing to receivers in Texas? And how much of his personal time is he going to spend communicating back to Andy Reid and others with the Chiefs organization about the things he's learned while taking his own time and spending his own money, presumably to bring these guys to Texas so he can spend even more time with them? Because he's living the obsession. We all can say we have an obsession right. to be great. You gotta live it. It's one thing to say we have an right. obsession to be great, but you gotta live it. And right. I know that sounds like something stupid that would be back on the back of a of a you know a little cheesy motivational card from some seminar you'd go to, but it's true. Everybody wants to be great. How many people truly want to put in the time? to make the sacrifice, to check every box, to do the stuff when no one's looking, or the stuff when people are looking, like are you present for OTAs, but to do everything necessary to build the wall one brick at a time to get the thing that you want. And and this is what Tom Brady always said. If you want to beat me, you better be ready to outwork me. And there's guys with that mindset currently in the NFL to play quarterback in the AFC. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, the three guys you're chasing, there's not going to be a single story barring some extreme personal issue that forces them to not be there. We're not going to have a single discussion about any of these guys not being at their OTAs or doing stuff beyond that to get themselves and their teammates ready. That's why if you truly want to compete with the best, this is the kind of stuff you got to do. Yeah, I, it, it's you know it's 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 rare. You know that's again that's where I get into the conversation. It's just rare, you know. And again, I I don't know, and I don't want to judge too harshly here on day one. I don't, and I know Lamar. He might see this clip and he'll clap back at me, and you know who knows. But but either Emojis. way, emojis. Oh, and I, yeah. I don't care. Anymore. I don't care I don't either. Care. No, no, because, because it, it's I'm we're, we're right. It. Well, we're saying it. We're, we're right. right. We're saying it through. Like it's 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 rooting. It's it's through love. That's where I I'm not mad at it. It's it's a true genuine. I want to see number eight in Baltimore succeed and be the man. I I think he's the man. I always have. So uh, that's where it comes from, and that's where if I even ever sound frustrated, it's only because of that. 
It's it's because I I want him to take advantage of all that he's been given as far as his athletic ability and his talents. But yeah, I mean, it, like we said, okay, so maybe Brady missed a few OTAs there, but it's just still so rare. And then you go through the top quarterbacks now, like you said. I mean, it, it's not even a question. I mean, we don't even what Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, right, Herbert, you know, Tua, whatever, whoever you want to talk to, Trevor Lawrence. We don't, we don't even, like, they're going to miss a practice? And I, I don't know why, but between, I guess, Rodgers a little bit and maybe Lamar last year and a little, this has become somewhat of a thing. And it's just rare that the quarterbacks are, you know, missing practices. It's rare. It's usually the quarterback's the guy that's chomping on the bit to practice and be out of football because he loves it so much. That's what the quarterback is. And we live in a time where being a fan means being a member of a cult and anyone who says anything bad about the team that we follow with cult-like mindset is an ass and should be attacked and should be disagreed with even when they're right. Even when they're making a point that, you know what, if Lamar Jackson was here, maybe we would have a better chance to enjoy our favorite team, get to the Super Bowl and win it. Maybe there is some logic and some wisdom in these two guys who have been around for a while and know a few things, have seen a few iterations of NFL seasons and have an idea of what the patterns are, what works and what doesn't work. Maybe these guys have a point. No, they're assholes, sorry, <laughs> because they're daring to point out anything that might be against our guy because you're not allowed to say anything negative about our guy. We won't even say anything negative about our guy. All right. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who was not traded because, and this report came out, I think over the weekend, late last week, I think it was Albert Breer. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry to whoever reported it. But the big impediment was nobody wanted to take on DeAndre Hopkins' salary, right. $19 million and change. Doesn't seem like all that much, but you got injury issues. You got the PED suspension from last year. And even though he denies that he did anything on purpose it doesn't make it go away it still happened so he's still in Arizona he showed up he's on the books I still think there's a chance they just flat out release him Chris mm. I don't think we can rule that out wow but here's a little sound here's a little sound we'll talk maybe more about that coming up here's a little sound from Lamar Jackson a couple weeks ago about DeAndre Hopkins possibly joining the Ravens and here's DeAndre Hopkins responding to that yesterday at Cardinals OTAs I text Coach Harz. I'm like, um, is it possible for us to land D Hop and Odell Beckham? <laughs> he was like, um, Lamar, you know, we can't, we can't make that happen. We can't get both of them. You know, we have Rashard Bateman. I'm like, I'm not taking anywhere away from Bateman. Like, yeah. I love Bateman. Like, he a guy, he a number one receiver. But I'm like, we can just be loaded. That's how I'm looking at it, yeah. like a man type thing. Man, like, you should, you should build like, your franchise. Man, I like yeah. Lamar, the like, GM. That, I'm not gonna lie. I'm thinking like, man, turn like, man, we can do anything. We just, I just want to win the Super Bowl. I love Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is one of my favorite athletes and since I've been watching sports. I'm a, I'm a sports fan. Uh, so I, I was watching Lamar when he played Clemson, my alumni, and I was like, who is this kid? So I've been a fan of Lamar for a long time. Uh, so, you know, obviously he's one of the greats. And, you know, I would, I would be lying to sit here and say, you know, it wouldn't be an honor one day, uh, you know, if my career allows me to play that long, to play with a great guy and a great quarterback like Lamar or, you know, So that wasn't obviously from OTAs yesterday. I thought it was comments that DeMar, uh, DeAndre Hopkins made to the media, but Hopkins interested in playing with Lamar. It's a dramatic turn. And like, we look, we went through this phase of DeAndre Hopkins talking about other teams he'd like to play for. Remember, he did that thing where he did it with nonverbal gestures, right. and it was clear he was interested in the Bills and the Chiefs. And then right. all of a sudden, it's like, what? I'm here in Arizona. I never said I wanted to leave. I mean, it's pretty clear he's wants to go right. somewhere else. The problem is there's only one team right now that is in position to pay him $19 million and change, assuming they ultimately do. They could still cut him between now and week one and not owe him anything. We'll see how that plays out. I think it comes to a head before then, frankly, but that's kind of where they are. Cardinals would like to move on. No one wants to trade for his contract. He's not ready to give up any of the money he's due to make, so kind of a standoff right would you just move on you know from a guy like deandre hopkins you've paid him a good chunk of money you know the last few years right would you just move on if there was you know just like okay we don't have an offer but hey wait if he's on the field he's still our best receiver 
You know, that's where, and wait, I'm a new head coach and I'd like things to start. I'd like to win a few games here the first year and all that. That's where I, you know, I don't know if they'll move on. It's, I'm just asking you as a friend here, as a, was there a spitball and would you do it? You know, if it came to that point. Well, if I had no trade opportunity whatsoever, that's 19.45 million in cash and cap space that I can bank, that I can save for whenever we start to emerge from this funk that has now descended upon the Arizona Cardinals. How much of a difference is he going to make this year? Is it worth that 19.45 million? And and you have to look at it from the perspective of Michael Bidwell. I mean, this is a team that I know, has a, it's a money reputation thing. of being right. extremely careful with money. $19.45 million saved is $19.45 million earned. So I think they had gotten themselves to the point where they had wrapped their brains around the fact they were going to trade him. Right. And then, and then, then it oops, didn't happen. Oops. Right. Right. I get the same feeling. He's not traded. Yeah. Right. I yeah, get, I get this and now that now they're now they're in a box. Right. Now they're in a box. Right. What are they going to do? Exactly. What are they going to do? It's kind of like the same thing the Vikings have going on with Dalvin Cook. It reminds me of that, where no one's going to take on the contract as it's written. The player's not going to take less. It's your move. It's checkmate for the teams unless you want to pay the guy a salary that you just don't want to pay him. Yeah, well, and, and you know, you, you said all you laid it out right about all the issues of why teams are reluctant to trade. Let alone one thing that I know we discussed a few weeks ago that I think would be a real thing, or at least on somebody's radar if you traded for him. Is okay? Wait, we trade for him. We give up a few assets. Sure, we're paying him money. He's having a good year, and here we are in, in week thirteen. And man, they want a new contract, right? That's the other thing that we all expect coming, especially with 19 million. That's low for receivers right now, and but also within that, he's also in an age in his career and the things that you talked about with injuries, the PEDs, whatever else, where you start to go, wait, it's it's year 10. Uh, I don't know if we want to be stuck in that type of situation with a guy that far down the road there. So that's where I don't know if there's going to be much market unless Arizona decides to change some things and they're going to pay part of the contract or something of that nature. I I don't think there's going to be a market other than that. And and back to our original part or the start of this little conversation, if I'm Arizona and I don't get any, you know, real tangible trade offers that make sense right now, I'm keeping them. Definitely. Uh, if I'm Jonathan Gannon and Monty Asifor, I do want to win a few games. Damn, the year the, the year's gotten off to a bad start for Arizona, and we haven't even started the damn year. I mean, it's, it ain't looking good. So let's win some games. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna like if you don't get a trade, you, you're gonna rely on Marquise Hollywood Brown, who's hurt a lot. You're gonna you're gonna rely on um, I'm blanking on their their other receiver that they drafted from Purdue. Uh, 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 gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Rondell Moore, excuse I, me. He's a smaller Rondell guy who's been earned, injured a bunch, right? So I'm looking at that group there. They drafted a guy who has an injury history at a Stanford, and I'm going, well, wait, we're, we're like a quarter away from having just kind of jack diddly crap at wide receiver here. Are we sure we just want to trade him away just to trade him away, right? Hold on to him if you don't get anything. Maybe you get to week five or six and Kansas City's got an injury. And, oh, no, now Kansas City, is, they thought they were going to the Super Bowl, and now somebody's hurt, somebody like that. Oh, wait, oh, now you might be able to get what you want from DeAndre Hopkins because you get a team that's desperate. So that's where I would tell Arizona not to just release him. That would be a reasonable position for – Hanging GM on. or the head coach, yeah. but the owner, the owner, yeah, the owner's a different story. I know. Feels you're right. like it feels like a throw in the towel season. They had one five years ago, 2018, the it year that they hired Steve Wilkes to preside over a disaster. They bottomed out. They fire him. They hire Cliff Kingsbury, and they win the number one overall pick in the draft. And they bring in Kyler Murray, and they tried it again. And I feel like they're in this transition now. They're in this gulf where they're willing to just say. This is a reset year. This is a Caleb Williams year. Wouldn't it be something if they get the number one overall pick in the draft, they hire Cliff Kingsbury back since he's at USC working with <laughs> Caleb funny. Williams. That part is sarcasm. And then you, you start all over again with Caleb Williams. So it, it's just a strange time for the Cardinals. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins wants to be there. We're going to hear from him momentarily. 
I don't think he wants to be there, and I think that's a factor in this as well because you don't want to pay all that money to somebody who doesn't want to be there as they try to turn this around, who's not going to be fully committed, who's not going to be present, who's not going to be engaged, who just doesn't want to be there. Well, and like you said, he knows it's a throwaway year too. He's looking at it like you are. He's going, Dan, they're not really – we're not really trying to win something here this year, and it's year 10 for me, and I want to go play. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to add that on. You're fine. Yeah. Here he is talking about what he's looking for in a team, specifically not a team that's having a throwaway year. What I want is stable management upstairs. I think that's something that I haven't really had, uh, you know, past couple years of my career coming from Houston to being in Arizona. Uh, you know, so I've been through three to four GMs my career. So with stable management, uh, a QB who loves the game, uh, QB who, uh, you know, brings everybody on board with him and uh, wishes not just himself, but, uh, you know, people around him. Uh, you know, I don't need a great QB. I've done it with, with subpar QBs, you know, just a QB who loves the game like I do. Um, and a great defense. I think defense won championships. I think Kyler is, is a quarterback who, who loves the game as well, but he's injured. Uh, you know, so right now for for me, I'm I'm playing with uh, Cole McCoy, who I love, but uh, you know, and, and, and you know who who knows. So uh, right now, there I, I don't currently have a a uh, Pro Bowl quarterback or a quarterback who uh, you know I would say could uh, you know. Look at you! <laughs> He's trying. He's trying. <laughs> He talked himself in the corner there. He didn't know how to get out of it. He didn't want to say anything too bad about anybody. <laughs> that was almost Quentin Williams it stopping was. himself mid-sentence when talking about Kyler Murray years ago. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it has something to do with Kyler Murray. That's the common thread there. When all of a sudden you just stop <laughs> yeah. talking. So, uh, but but choosing his words very carefully. Look, he doesn't want to be with the Cardinals. So to get back to the point that you were discussing earlier, from the Cardinals' perspective. From a football standpoint, if you're truly trying to win football games this year, it makes sense. But if he doesn't want to be there, it makes it make less sense because it becomes a distraction to what you're trying to build. They're trying to build something there, assuming that Gannon makes it longer than a year, assuming that Austin Fort makes it longer than a year. And with the Cardinals, I would make no assumptions about anything. It will not surprise me if Gannon is one and done. Austin Fort, maybe he gets to hang around. It won't surprise me if Gannon is one and done with the Cardinals. And so he can't have somebody who doesn't want to be there. You just can't have it. You try to turn him around. You try, And maybe they thought they were, but this interview with Brandon Marshall's group, that tells me this guy wants out. He just wants out. But he also wants his $19 million plus. Yeah, no, I know. It's a, it's a delicate situation there. And, yeah, I feel for him. He's stuck in a – it's a tough spot. It is, yeah. At this point of his career, he's, he's going, wait, my quarterback's hurt. The team's in a total rebuild, refurbish, whatever kind of mode here, right? Buda Baker doesn't even want to be here. I don't know what the defense is going to look like. He's got all those things that, I'm, that you know, as an ex-player, I understand not wanting to be there. But I think the other side of it is is Arizona. And like you said, where what's, what's more important to them, the cash or the assets? That, that's really, I think, what it comes down to. And that's what they got to figure out. Which one do they want? You know, uh, like, like if they want the cash or whatever else, hey, then your June 1st thing and just cut them or whatever else, boom, they're okay, fine. You're going to get your cash back. But if you really want to try to build something here, you know, I, I'm one of like, let's go towards the assets. You, you traded away a lot of assets and pleased this player to get him. He did not want to be in his other situation. And not only did you do that, you did that and paid him, you know, a good amount of money. I mean, a, a ton of money. Gave him a new contract on that, too. So that's where if I was running the team, even though this wasn't me before, I'd still go, eh, you know, I think I'd rather have the assets than the cash. Is that okay with you, Mr. Bidwell? And I'd, I'd let it play out and just see where it goes. And like, we, like I talked about, see if you get to the early part of the season, training camp, wherever, where somebody's desperate, a Super Bowl playoff caliber team that's got injuries at the wide receiver position and now they're ready to make a move and now you, you get more things to play with the next year's draft, which they already have a ton because of what Austin Ford did in this past draft. 
That's a heck of a risk, though, you're taking on the Cardinals, that it's just not going to work out. And yeah. along the way, he could get injured. That's true, too. He could you're get right. injured, and then the $19.545 million, it's it's gone. It's paid, and you get nothing, and then you deal with his contract next year. Yeah. So uh, June, June 1 is a key date for a trade. You can split the cap charge in half. So maybe at this point, they're close enough. May, may, I don't know. But, but if nobody's going to take on that money, it doesn't matter from the team's perspective. When it comes to minimizing cap hit, it just is irrelevant because I think they're ready to move on. They've been ready to move on. They just haven't gotten the offer in part because the teams out there that would be interested don't want to pay him. I, I, and this is where it's probably difficult for DeAndre Hopkins to come to terms with it. I would assume he entered the process thinking, I'm going to go somewhere else and they're going to pay me more. I'm going to get a new contract. I'm going to get Devontae Adams money. I'm going to reset the market again. And now he's finding out, no, I'm not even going to be able to hang on to what I'm already due to make. So he's got to process that while still with a team he maybe doesn't want to be with that for now has him on the books for that money but may ultimately tear up the contract. It's a weird time for him. It is. And I think he's got to come to terms with some things before he can make a good decision about what he really wants and where he wants it all to happen. Yeah, like you just talked about with Arizona and the risk and all that. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got the risk of that right there for sure. He's got $19 million in hand if he just, you know, acts appropriately and, and is the team guy. I mean, from all due accounts here. But, yeah, I don't know if he's going to – even if he got released June 1st, I don't think he's going to go anywhere and somebody's going to give him $19 million. I don't. I think it would be one of those things where you know, he might get close to that. He might get – he's going to get a – I guess if he gets free, gosh, he, he, I, I, I would think he'd have a hard time going, wait, I, I want more than Odell Beckham Jr., who hasn't played in, you know, basically two years, right? That's where he's going to stand on that ground, but I don't know if that money will be available then that, then either. So it's going to be an interesting situation here to, to watch unfold over the next month and into training camp. The longer it takes, too, the harder it is to get the money that you're looking for. Yeah, that's for. There's right. less money there. The money gets spent. The rosters get set, and the big money may not be there. So I, I have a feeling he's not going to be a Cardinal. I just don't know where he's going to land, and these are things that all need to be worked out. June 1, a key date from the Cardinals' perspective, but for the teams that may or may not be interested, that doesn't matter. What matters is how much money they are inheriting on their salary cap, how much cash they have to pay, and that apparently has been the impediment. The impediments have been removed for the ultimate football is family move, unless, of course, your family is planning to travel to another city to watch a game <laughs> late in the season. You're funny. Then your plans could be upended. Thursday night flexing has passed. We'll talk about how it happened, why it happened, and what it means for fans and everybody else when PFT Live continues right after this. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 